Alright guys, welcome back to the Howl Fit Perspective. In this episode, we're going to go over exactly how you can design your own training program. So if you're thinking of working with me, hiring me as your coach, you can throw that thought out the window because you don't need me anymore. I'm revealing all of my secrets and I'm just laying it all out on the table. No, but really I think this will help you know add just some of the basic structure to how you could maybe make your own workout program and it'll be effective instead of following some you know 30 day challenge online that just a bunch of garbage this will actually help you in designing your own program to match your goal your lifestyle your body type everything like that compared to just following some generic thing online now I'm not going to lie and say this is exactly what you should do and how it works perfectly with everyone. You know, there's different things that you are going to have to individualize to you and your body and your goal, etc. But this is the basic outline of how to design your own training program. So let's just jump straight into things. All right. So step number one in designing your own training program would be to choose the appropriate split for you, your goal, and your lifestyle. So the split is pretty much just how many days per week you're going to be training and how exactly you're splitting up each of those days. So for example, if I get a new client that can go to the gym twice per week, I make sure and I put them on a full body split in most scenarios. Obviously, each individual is a little bit different and depending on their goal and experiences things can change but i'm just going to give you guys general rules of thumb so you can understand the basic concepts of how this whole thing works so anywhere from like one to three times per week you would probably want to run a full body split where you're hitting each muscle group each day then you're resting in between repeating the process maybe with different exercises That's something we'll cover later on. Now, if you're doing something like four times per week, it might be good to do an upper body day followed by a lower body day, resting one day, and then repeating that process. So then you're hitting each muscle group twice a week. You're getting enough recovery in between each of those days because if you do continue to run full body for, say, four days a week, you can just run into issues with recovery, You know, you might not be fully recovered by the time you have to work out your full body the following day. So that's when I would start to recommend like an upper lower split is when recovery starts to kind of be affected by how your frequency, by how often you're hitting each muscle. Um, For example, for like five days a week, maybe you would be best doing an upper body day, lower body day, followed by push pull legs. Now, to explain push-pull legs really quick, anything that involves pushing away from your body, which is typically your chest, your shoulders, and your triceps, is what's going to be incorporated on your push days. Now, for pull days, it's the exact opposite. Anything that you would be pulling towards your body, so your back, your biceps, your rear delts mainly, is what you would be exercising on those pulling days. Now, legs pretty self-explanatory you're working out your legs so that's how push pull legs works um so yeah five days a week it probably would be best to do something like push or upper lower push pull legs six days per week 
probably be best to do push pull legs push pull legs rest um there's also like the bro split which i don't recommend to many people at all the bro split is pretty much hitting you know each muscle group so one muscle group per workout so it would be like going in and doing just shoulders or just biceps or just arms in general and then the next day you would do just chest and I just find that the frequency isn't high enough to see great progress from doing that and a lot of beginners to intermediate some advanced people do need the amount of recovery in between those days just because their intensity is so high and they have to push the muscle so close to failure and the volume is crazy and so some people in some scenarios can benefit from the so-called bro split but not in most cases so that's a quick rundown on how to choose the best training split for you and your lifestyle so Let's jump in to step number two in designing your own program, which would be exercise selection. So this just pretty much means what exercises you're going to be doing inside of your training sessions. So there's a few basic rules of thumb. Usually you want to be starting out your training sessions with a compound movement, um, which would be, for example, bench press squats, deadlifts, overhead press, pull-ups, rows. Those are some of the most common ones um, and any variations of that. So it doesn't have to be barbell bench press. It could be dumbbell bench press or dumbbell incline bench. For squats, it could be like goblet squats, something, something with that movement pattern. So from there, you'll want to typically pick anywhere from one to two compound movements to start the training session. Now, this is highly dependent on the person's experience, you know, what your specific goal is. If you're focused more on strength with one specific movement, you might want to put more of your emphasis on that movement where, you know, if you're just trying to build strength overall, you might add in several different compound movements. So this is highly dependent on you, your experience, and your goal. And same goes for the next part of exercise selection, which is adding in the accessory and isolation movements. So this would be exercises like, you know, bicep curls, for example, where it's not like a squat that's using multiple joints, multiple muscle groups. It's using literally just your biceps when you're doing a curl. So that's an example of that. So anywhere from... Usually, I find it to be two to six accessory or isolation movements after the one to two compound movements. So, again, this is dependent on the person's experience and goal. Somebody might be focused mainly on that one specific compound movement, so they only need to add in about two accessory movements afterwards. Whereas another person might only do one compound movement and they just need more volume to keep progressing maybe they're a little bit more advanced that's when you would lean more towards you know maybe six or so accessory or isolation movements so general rules of thumb right there that's a good way to structure how your training session will go and then to choose exercises from there now choosing specific exercises it's going to depend on what 
your body structure is like, what feels best for you, what you feel like gives you the most bang for your buck, essentially. So if, for example, deadlifts just absolutely destroy your lower back and your shoulders feel like they're about to dislocate and you're having a hernia while you're doing it, maybe it's not the best exercise for you to do right now. Maybe you could go towards something like, you know, a dumbbell Romanian deadlift where it's a little bit less overall fatigue. And so that's something that you have to kind of just see how it goes, take get a feel for it, and then adjust accordingly. And, and the main goal really is to be able to learn your body and what works best with it, but not get attached to specific movements because those are always going to change. You know, your body's always going to feel one movement a different way than it will the next month or, or the following month. And so it's about making adjustments when appropriate. So like if something gets stale, for example, like maybe you're doing barbell squats and over, you know, months and months of progressing that movement, maybe your knees start to hurt a little bit and your hips are aching and your back just feels like it's broken then maybe it's a good idea to swap out squats for something like leg press, you know, that doesn't put as much load and fatigue on your spine. So that's kind of a quick rundown on exercise selection. Um, The next step would be picking a progression scheme. So pretty much in the simplest of terms would be progressively making your workouts a little harder each week. So, you know, for example, let's say you bench press 100 pounds for five reps on week number one. The following week, you would want to make sure and try and do 100 pounds for six reps or maybe 105 pounds for five reps or maybe 100 pounds for five reps, but you do four sets instead of three. So pretty much challenging yourself a little bit more each week by either increasing the amount of weight you're using, increasing the number of reps that you do, increasing the number of sets that you do, or even increasing your intensity, so how close to actual failure you get. Or it can be a combination of all of these. So in my clients' training programs, we use a term called reps in reserve, which means how many more reps you could perform before reaching failure. So let's say you can do 100 pounds for 10 reps on the bench press before you absolutely cannot move the weight anymore with proper form. So if you go three reps in reserve, that would mean you'd go until you hit seven reps, you have three reps left in the tank. And so the progression scheme that I use in A lot of my clients' programs is using this reps and reserve model. So week one is starting out at usually three to four reps in reserve. So you'd be doing that bench press for, you know, six to seven reps, leaving three to four in the tank. As the weeks go on, remember, you want to progressively make things more challenging. You want to make it a little more difficult. So week two... You would want to try and increase the weight a little bit or increase the number of reps while staying in the rep range. And by doing this, your reps in reserve is going to decrease. So it's going to be two to three reps in reserve. So you're you're progressively 
increasing your intensity by adding either weight or reps each week. And so that's pretty much the basics of progression schemes is when it comes down to it, just try and challenge yourself a little bit more each week. And that's what's going to prevent those these plateaus that happen when your muscles actually adapt to the stimulus. And, you know, if you always go in and do 100 pounds for 10 reps on bench, your body's eventually going to get used to that. And there's no need to adapt further because that's what's coming every single week is 100 pounds for 10 reps. And it doesn't need to build muscle to adapt to what's to come because it's not getting harder. So it gets to a point where this isn't sustainable though. You know, you can't add weight every single week. You can't add reps every single week. Um, If you do try to do this, you're eventually going to get injured and you're not going to be able to train at all. So this brings us to our last step, which is recovery. Generally speaking, you want to take a rest week or what's called a deload every about four to eight weeks. Um, This is highly dependent on the person and how intensely they're working out. You know, if you're working out from home right now, you might not need to do a deload or rest week every four to eight weeks just because it's so much harder to go intensely at home and to you know load your spine and load your joints and it's not as taxing overall so you probably don't need to take a rest week or deload you're probably fine you know maybe going longer than eight weeks or whatever until um, there's a few indicators that you're noticing it's probably a good sign to deload some of those are like you start to feel joint pain, you know, maybe your shoulder, you're feeling these new little twinges, or maybe your knees are starting to hurt a little more, you're getting little aches in your hips, your lower back starts to hurt a little. And then another indicator would be just mental fatigue. So you're kind of like, Oh, I don't feel like working out when usually you, you get excited for training. And it's, it's something that you look forward to when it begins to be something that's like, oh, another day of this. I don't know if I can do this. And you're you're kind of dreading it. That's another indicator that, you know, maybe it's time to take a week off or cut back the intensity and volume for a week. And then you're going to be setting yourself up for success after. So it's kind of, I see deloads and rest weeks as taking one step backwards so you can take two steps forward in the future. So a good kind of overview of how exactly deloads work and how you should implement them. Like I said, generally every four to eight weeks, once you start to notice those indicators of, okay, I should deload, it's a good idea to either one, take the full week off of the gym. If you feel like it's just too much for you right now, it's probably a good idea to completely rest for a week and you know, stay active, go on walks, do different things, go on a hike, bike ride, whatever. It's not just a week where you can sit back and eat all the pizza and ice cream. I always talk about pizza and ice cream. I think that's just because that's what I like. But it's not just a week to, you know, chill and do whatever. It's a week to stay active still, but you're not going in and formally training as hard as you normally would. And option number two would be if you if you feel like the gym is you know you know like your escape or whatever and you have to go there to feel productive and have a good day, then it's a good idea 
to go in there, get your workouts in, but make sure you're decreasing your intensity and your weight and your volume. Um, so like a good rule of thumb, if I have a client that goes in and it's their deload week, I want them to pretty much just half everything. So for example, if they do 150 pounds for four sets of 10 reps on deadlift, on their deload week, I would have them do two sets of, you know, anywhere from five to seven-ish reps with about half the weight, so like 75 pounds. So it's literally, you're not doing much at all. It's easy peasy. And that's why I, I personally, I like to take the week off because after a full week of not going to the gym, I'm like itching to get back in there and I'm just ready to go. So pretty much every four to eight weeks, I take a full week off of the gym. And that's something that I didn't used to do. And I would just have these recurring injuries that just kept nagging me. And they would cause me to lose progress in the long run because I couldn't fully train to my full capabilities because of those injuries. But once I learned, okay, taking a deload is like taking one step backwards. So I can take two steps forward in the future rather than, you know, taking one step forward, one step backwards, one step forward, one step backwards. It just made sense. And once I started implementing it, it made a world of difference. So that is pretty much everything summed up on how you can design your own training program. We will call this Training Program Design 101 taught by Cade Howell, The Howell Fit Perspective, edition number one, publishing soon just kidding but that's a quick rundown on how to do everything obviously there is a little more to it and there's a little there's some nuance there so if you do have specific questions shoot me a message on instagram at howl underscore fit is my name on there so just shoot me a message ask any question you want quick little recap step number one choose the best split for you and your lifestyle number two exercise selection and how you can adjust those in the future number three is picking a progression scheme so making things more difficult over time and then number four is picking how you want to recover so what kind of deload you want to take and how often you should do it so anyways guys that is everything hope it was helpful if you enjoyed it take that screenshot post it up on your story and tag me so i can share it so we'll talk to you guys next week. I hope you have a wonderful week.